I can't help but just see that even in the choosing of the rod, which represents authority for God's people, there is life. The people who God chooses is to always be life producing. The almonds are a picture of, I would say, resurrection power. God shows his faithfulness through that which brings forth blessing for his people and life, life more abundantly. We even see it on the rod of Aaron and we see it through God's people on just how he brings resurrection power and his faithful promises to carry us through all of life's challenges. That's what I love about the book of Numbers. Hello and welcome to the You Can Learn the Bible podcast, where we summarize complete Bible books in single episodes. I am Bodie Quirk from YouCanLearnTheBible.com, here with Joey Rosek, lead pastor of Living Springs Fellowship in New Jersey. Joey, we are back. It's podcast day again. I am so fired up. How are you today, my friend? Brother Bodie, I am also excited to tackle another book with you. So I'm doing really well. We are hitting our next book here in this Pentateuch series, the book of Numbers. Yep. And once again, I think people are going to be really blessed getting to see how exciting this particular book is in the Bible. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we are on episode 10, man. 10 episodes. We're we're rolling on this thing, you know, and hopefully by by the end of this episode, you will have a sense of what the book of Numbers is, how it functions, and hopefully that we have both equipped you and inspired you to get into reading this book. Because this book offers some unique challenges, doesn't it, Joey? I think there's some interesting things in this book that people are, are going to encounter that might throw them off a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, and it's not the challenges of arithmetic or algebra or something like this, because the book of Numbers is not oh, man. a mathematical book of the Bible. It's not a math book. <laughs> it is it's actually geometry. A, a book that actually is going to take us into God really being so personal in the involvement of his people as they're wandering yeah. in the wilderness. And we'll explain a little bit more about why the book is called Numbers, but it actually has to do a little sneak peek is that it has to do with the census that mm -hmm. is recorded twice, two different censuses in this yep. book where the numbers of God's people are being mentioned. And we're going to explain why, and we're going to get into the nitty gritty of this book. And as we right. always do, give some commentary and insights and follow our seven part framework. So this is going to be a, a good book to work through the challenges of your own life because Bodhi, we all go through wandering times in our lives. We're all sometimes in between a period of life from a, you know, we started something right. and then it hasn't ended. And we find ourselves sometimes in those wilderness experiences, don't we? Yeah, there's a lot of universal themes that happen. And so hopefully by the end of the episode, you will have a sense of how this book fits in the whole, how to study it, and you'll be excited to approach it. So just a quick reminder, though, we always do audio and video. So if you're listening on your podcast app, just know that there is a video version. And the only reason I mention that now is because we're going to use a map. This is kind of a traveling book. Joey mentioned some of the wanderings. The locations actually play a little bit more of an important role in this episode than they do in previous episodes. So being able to see a map of where the locations could be helpful, but it's not essential. We're gonna walk you through each of the parts there, but the video is on YouTube. The podcasts are, of course, what you're listening to now, but we wanna really explain the book of numbers. And we wanna start by the first point of our framework, right, Joey, the essentials. Again, so we are sitting down with you, trying to equip you in a short time to understand the book of numbers. So first question, what do we need to know first if we're going to study the book of Numbers well? What are the essentials? I'll let you jump in first. Yes. Well, in this particular book, we are picking up right where we left off from Leviticus, where God's people are in the wilderness. They've left Egypt, right? They're not in the promised land. And as they're roaming, God has already been showing his 
holiness to the people. He's dealt with the people with their idolatrous kind of ways already and their complaining. Mm -hmm. We see yeah. that he's given the sacrificial system as we learned in the book of Leviticus. But the book of Numbers is a book that, let me give you, first of all, the title of the book and why it's there. It comes from the Hebrew Bamidbar. And that has to do with the opening words that are in this particular book, where in the fifth word, wilderness is midbar. We understand that bemidbar is this time of being in the wilderness. Now, interestingly, in the Greek, in the Septuagint, this book is called arithmoi. And what that means is the numbers are being reflected. It's actually where we get the word arithmetic. And what we see in this particular narrative is that although the children of Israel may be wondering, they can still count on God. There's one little mm -hmm. play on the word. Oh, man. And There's we're going to see that those, the, census, <laughs> the census kicks in to number the people for war because they're going to have to deal with some challenges and some fights yep. that are in this book. And we also see that as they journey from Mount Sinai, where we ended off in Leviticus, to the plains of Moab, there yes. is conflict within, there is war without but God is faithful to his covenant promises. And that's what we're going to continue to see in this book of Numbers. Exactly. So if you're kind of a, trying to keep track of where we're on the storyline, Joey said where we are at the base of Mount Sinai after the law has been given, the priesthood has been established, but this is a journey book. The book of Numbers is the preparation and the journey, and then the preparation at the end again in a second. So we'll talk about how we're going to approach the structure of the book, but it's really important to understand the purpose. This is a book about wanderings. In fact, so if we want to talk about like, where does it fit in the Bible? Again, it's after Leviticus, but what we really want to understand is how it orients its role in the larger biblical story. We don't get to the entering of the promised land without the book of Numbers. It's how we leave Mount Sinai and how we get there. And a lot happens in this particular book. So we call this wilderness wanderings toward the promised land. So we're starting at Mount Sinai. The law has been given. The priesthood is established, leadership is established, and it's going to get challenged in this episode, Moses and Aaron, and then we're going to end at what's called the Plains of Moab. And Joey already mentioned the beginning of the book, and actually, I'd love to have you read some of the early verses that really set the tone for where this book is going to take us, Joey, if you would, because the Lord speaks to Moses, doesn't he? What's key to make sure that we understand as we start reading the book of Numbers? Yes. Well, the opening of this book is the Lord speaking to Moses. And remember, Moses is the author of the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch or the Torah. And so the Lord speaks to Moses in the wilderness, again, where the name of the book comes from, mm -hmm. the wilderness of Sinai and in the tent of meeting. And then it goes on to tell us how they had come out of the land of Egypt saying, take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel by clans, by father's houses, according to the number of names, every male head by head. And then notice, Bodhi, the specifics are they have to be 20 years old and above to be considered able to go to war in Israel. Yes. And so those opening verses really set the tone of the name of the book, where things are going to begin to flow from here, and how God is preparing them for what's to come in their final portions of the journey in the wilderness. Exactly. Because now that they've received the priesthood, that God's presence is with them, but really it is, they're about to face some opposition, aren't they, Joey? So we know right. that if we look at the map here, now, if you're listening to this, this is just a map of Israel and Egypt, but it's really important to know that the book starts at Mount Sinai 
and it mm -hmm. ends, it's what's called the Plains of Moab on the east side of the Jordan River. And the whole book of Numbers is the journey from that beginning point in Mount Sinai to the end and the Plains of Moab. And so what we wanna do is help you understand the major sections and how the book gets us from our starting point to our ending point. And that is why we wanted to make sure that we understand that this book is the journey to the land that was promised to Abraham. So I think we we kind of understand where we've started and where mm -hmm. we're going, but let's talk about some of the major biblical concepts. So we know some of the essentials, we know where it fits in the story. What is unique about numbers, Joey, from a thematic and from a, a major idea standpoint? Let's start here. What are some of the key ones we wanna make sure people get? Yeah, some of these key ones we're gonna hit is the formation of God's people. And let me just throw out this as a, theme to think about. In the formation of God's people, we see the camp is centered around the tabernacle. So what you realize is that the center is the tabernacle and all the tribes go out in different directions. You have Dan to the north, Ephraim to the west, you have Judah to the east, and then you, of course you have Reuben to the south. And do you know what's interesting, Bodhi? If you mm. were to actually do an aerial view looking down at the formation of God's people, you would actually see the camp is actually shaped in the form of a cross. It wow. just really shows how even a foreshadowing sense, Christ is central to all of God's people. If you look at the measurements of how long the tribes are, you really do get a picture of the cross. So that's kind of interesting. That's uh, cool. But of course, it's cool, right? But yeah. the specifics though, is that there's, that people are being numbered. As I said, the men are being made ready for war. So we have census and genealogy is another key theme. And then I've already mentioned about God's presence and the tabernacle and how key that is. But let me also add this, God is with his people. He is the ultimate covenant-keeping God that is making sure that his people are staying close to him. And that's why we're going to see how God deals with the people of God throughout this book. God's established authority is going to be shown to us. We're going to yes. see there's a rebellion against Moses in, in this book, right? Mm -hmm. And during that rebellion, God establishes his authority once again and shows that his delegated authority has been given to Moses and to Aaron. But, but particularly to Moses first, because it's his own right. brother and sister that begin to question some things. Yes. And we see that there's conflict, conflict within, there's war without. We'll see that in the pages of this book. And then, of course, the common things that all believers deal with, unbelief, failure, mm. us forfeiting our side of the covenant because we just constantly seem to get it wrong. But God <laughs> is faithful. And so his covenant loyalty kicks in when we're faithless. He remains faithful because he cannot deny himself as the New Testament would later tell us right. through the Apostle Paul. Yep, exactly. So these are the key themes that we're going to be looking yeah. at. So we're going to start to watch some of these key themes, the role of the census, the formation of God's people, the role of authority within the structure. And so the way we want to approach this episode is we want to walk section by section and take each one on its own and ask some of these larger questions. So the first major question of our structure number four, now that we've talked about the themes and ideas, what are the major sections? We're going to address that. But within each of those, what do we learn about God and what does each one offer our Christian life? So mm -hmm. the book of Numbers can be a little bit complex. So let's just go one at a time and walk section by section. So we've broken this book up into six sections. Now, some of these are going to be journey sections and some of them are laws. And that's kind of where some of the breaks happen, right? And this is where, Joey, I think it can be confusing for people when they sure. read it. All of a sudden, the genre just switches from like a narrative to like a list of laws or mm -hmm. priestly regulations and people kind of feel like they get lost. So follow us on this one. The first section is preparing to leave Sinai. 
The second section is a journey. It's journey part one. And that's from Sinai to Kadesh. And there's some unrest and there's some unbelief. That's nine through 14. Then we have kind of some inserts, right? In chapter 15, there are some laws. In chapter 16, there's a leadership crisis and some priestly matters. Then in chapter 20, the second part of the journey begins. And that goes from Kadesh to Moab, where the book is going to end. Then the final section of the book, 26 through 36, is preparing to enter the land. So again, it's kind of a little bit more of a, of a, of a tedious structure, but if you stick with us, we're going to walk you one at a time through each section. So I'm ready to start in this first one, Joey, preparation to leave Sinai, unless mm -hmm. you have anything you'd like to say about kind of the whole of the book of numbers before we get into each section. No, I think this outline is probably helpful for our listeners because we have two journeys, as you mentioned, Sinai to Kadesh, Kadesh to Moab. That's yes. the movement of God's people. But then we're, we're dealing with um, the internal realities of the makeup of God's people. So you have this movement in the makeup. And what's mm, interesting is that yeah. in the midst of all of these different holy laws that God has given his people, we're going to continue to see that God's laws are perfect to convert the soul, as Psalm 19, yes. 7 says, Psalm because 19, yeah. the soul needs to reorientate with God because we see a mirror reflection of our sins and failures when we look at the law. And yeah. so that's going to be really seen in this. And so, yeah, let's dive in. Let's go to these yeah. first opening chapters yeah. as they prepare to leave Sinai. Right. Well, that's why it's going to be important with each section break that we ask some of these questions. What does it teach us about God? And what does mm -hmm. it teach us about ourselves? Because Joey, each section is going to tap on some important things like you just said. Okay. So section one, if you're looking for a guide through the book of Numbers, first section is chapters one through nine. And this is preparation to leave Sinai. So within this section, what happens? Well, there's a census. The book begins with a census. But it also talks about setting up the camp, the Levitical service in the tabernacle. As Joey already said, the tabernacle is so central to the presence, right. to the gathering of God's people, but also to the role of the book. Purification is right on the heels of that. So within this first block of chapters one through nine, we've got the census, we've got the camp, the purification, and then the final preparations to leave. Because again, this whole thing is they're preparing to leave Mount Sinai. Yeah. And we remember Exodus 19, 6. What is God doing with these people? He's making them into a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So this is our starting point, Joey. We're about to leave yeah. Mount Sinai. Any thoughts that you have during, during this first section that you'd like to yeah. share? Well, well, that key verse that we will learn about how they are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, and that's from the book of Exodus, but you really see it lived out here. In yes. the book of Numbers, Peter, the apostle will pick up on that as we talked about later on in the New Testament, how we are yes. a holy nation and we are his special people mm -hmm. and we are a royal priesthood. And so priesthood. we really see that God has always had, and here's the key, a real emphasis on the priestly side of the call for God's people. And one of the unique things that takes place in this opening nine chapters, you already mentioned that the census in the first couple, the setting up of the camp in chapters three and four, but in chapters five and six, there's a couple key things that really highlight the priesthood. In yes. chapter six, we actually have that besides the normal laws that govern God's people, we have what's called the Nazarite vow. Some of you might be familiar with that. It comes up in the book of Judges. We see that Samson and Samuel, and later on, John the Baptist, these were all people who kind of had taken this Nazarite vow. And what was the Nazarite vow? It, it was a vow of consecration and separation to God. It involved three specific things. There was a need to stay away from alcohol, a need to stay away from a razor. They weren't allowed to cut the hair on their head. They were to stay away from anything dead so that they didn't defile themselves. And so these were some 
extra things that people did to set themselves apart in greater holiness. And then you see at the end of chapter six, something that we'll get back to at the end of this episode, but a special priestly blessing that God gives to Moses, to Moses, to Aaron, and to all the people. You know, the Lord bless thee and keep thee and make Mm -hmm. his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. This, that beautiful blessing that will what we see, these are things that are really important as they're leaving Sinai, they still have the blessing of God within the people as they're a priesthood before the Lord. Yes, they are becoming a holy nation who's now going to inherit the land required for their nation. Yeah, that number is chapter six. I think that's one of the verses that people know best, but it often gets extracted out of its context. And it's found right there as God is purifying the peoples. They're preparing to leave Mount Sinai in order to ultimately inherit the land. So thank you for sharing that. That was great. The first section, chapters Mm. one through nine. So now in the middle of chapter nine, there is a transition into our next section. And this is really the journey part, the first journey. So journey part one from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, they leave with a pomp and circumstance, right? A cloud and fire and trumpets. And the reason why is because God has aligned his presence to this people in this way to Mm. signify that there is a supernatural authentication. We're going to see this later with Aaron's staff, but God is abundantly, clearly, and evidentially with this people in a special way. That doesn't mean the people are perfect. Oh goodness, we're going to see them fail in all kinds of ways, right? But that's what's so beautiful about God and his covenant nature. He is good. He is for them regardless of what they do. But that doesn't mean they're going to avoid judgment. We'll get to that in a second. So they leave, Joey. Let's talk about the journey. So they're leaving from Mount Sinai. They're super happy. They're thankful for all that God has done. They are just praising God the whole way. There's never any problems. I'm totally lying. If you're paying attention, none of that happens, right? (laughs) As soon as they leave, like a kid wanting some candy in a car ride, chapter 11 and 12 complaining. Like it starts to really take root in this book. Why does Moses make sure that this part, because this is some of the ugly parts of this book, they complain against him. They challenge his leadership on the way to their first, for their journey at Kadesh Barnea. What does this teach us about God and ourselves, Joey, in the second section on the first part of the journey? Well, we live in a day and age where people often say, follow your own heart. And you realize that the Bible tells us the heart is deceitful and wicked. And so instead, what we should do is trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledge him as he directs our paths. Well, in chapter nine, we realized that God was directing their paths. He was doing it by the clouds of fire by day and the pillar of fire by night. God was faithfully guiding his people. But then what happens is we tend to try to guide our own lives at different points of the juncture. We oftentimes feel like we, have to take the control of our destiny or of our decision-making. And usually what that turns into is pride and selfishness. Mm -hmm. We tend to want to guide our lives toward what we think is best. And I think what's interesting in chapters 11 and 12 is we get to this point where many of the people start complaining because they're not keeping their eyes on the Lord and trusting his faithfulness. Instead, they start looking at their own desires and their own lusts. And that is always the beginning of a downfall of not only a breakdown of unity among God's people, but purity within God's people. And Mm -hmm. so you really do see the holiness of God contrasted with the unholiness of man as the people start to complain. And uh, Moses had to deal with these complaints all the time. I mean, it was wearing on him 
Yeah. How much more does it grieve the heart of God? And so we're going right. to see that a judgment comes as Moses intercedes for the people in chapter 14, as the people are rebelling, mm -hmm. we see that God holds back judgment because of the power of intercession. And this is again, yeah. another priestly aspect yeah. that we're called to participate with God in. He ever lives to make intercession for us. We learn as Jesus is our great intercessor, but you see the power of Moses's intercession and how it holds back the hands of God's wrath, mm -hmm. so to speak at this time. Well, and if we think too that we are a royal priesthood, priests pray on behalf of people to the Lord, right? And right. it is our priestly status that places the, our prayers into a unique spot in the heart of God. I think that's why we are called to pray. People often wonder like, why do I pray if God already knows everything? Well, we have been called to be his very people and he hears our prayers. He wants to hear our prayers. The problem isn't that we pray too much. It's the problem is we pray too little. And we pray yes. without faith. So we can move on from here. But the important thing you want to understand is there's a preparation section. There's the first journey. But when we get here, there's a number of problems. One, Moses sends spies into the land. Only two of them say, oh, this is going to be great. Everybody else is terrified because of the Canaanite inhabitants. And they say, well, we can't inherit that land. And Joshua and Caleb say, yes, we can. And they are the only two who actually end up in entering the land because of their faith. Yeah, jump and in. Anything else here on this, on this section? Yeah. Yeah, this is so important because Joshua and Caleb are the two spies that see everything that the other spies see, but mm -hmm. they see with eyes of faith. They yes. see beyond just what is seen in the physical. They remember the power of God in the spiritual. And as a result of that, they come back with a different report. We can do great things when we see a great God. Yeah. When God is big, the giants are small, but when you don't see God clearly, the giants seem bigger and bigger and bigger. And we discover that this is a great lesson for the believer, that we Absolutely. must see beyond the natural and into the supernatural. We must see the promises of God and his faithfulness at all times. And so I love the fact that Joshua and Caleb come back with a good report. And I also love that if you really do see God for who he is, you discover that his divine attributes are so much greater than the atrocities that can come to us in this life. In fact, in Numbers chapter 14, when God is hearing the prayer of Moses, it tells us about these attributes. Let me just read this verse from Numbers 14 there in verses 17 and 18. Moses is praying and he says, now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great. Just as you have spoken saying, the Lord is long suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. But you see, God is willing to pardon. Mercy triumphs over mm -hmm. judgment. Verse 21 says, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. That's where faith should always be taking us. God's glory is going to be seen as we keep our eyes on him and trust in him. Amen. Yep. Yeah, I love it. And that's the challenge, is it? The heart of man is constantly drawn away, but God has made a covenant and made a promise here. And so we see Amen. that the journey has now taken us from Mount Sinai. There was a preparation. That was this first section. Now we did the first part of the journey. Now there's a couple the couple chapters just to know about that happened before the second part of the journey. So in chapter 15, we received some more supplemental laws, the things that we kind of saw in Leviticus. 
But then we start to see some of the challenges, don't we, Joey? In number 16 through 19, there's a complete mutiny against Moses and Aaron's leadership by this guy named Korah. He starts this rebellion, and God so beautifully steps in to authenticate that he has chosen Moses and Aaron through a supernatural miracle in chapter 17. I'd love to have you talk about that in a second. But then at the end of chapter 18, there's some more priestly matters because after chapter 19, 18 and 19, there's a turn that starts to happen, isn't there? But before we get there, why is it so beautiful? And what does it teach us about God when man is challenged where God has placed them and God steps in to authenticate his chosen man of Moses and Aaron? I love that chapter 17. I love your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, when we hit chapter 16, we come to Korah's rebellion, and it really is a picture of so much of the conflicts that exist around our world today. Instead of trusting God and his timing and who he exalts and puts into power, there's so many people who thrive on trying to position themselves for greater gain and for greater yeah. prestige. And this is what happens with Korah. And then, of course, Dathan and Abiram. These particular people are starting to say, wait a minute, we don't really like the way that Moses is leading us. Maybe we should overthrow his power. Maybe we should position ourselves. And they gathered the people together. It's amazing how when somebody has a powerful persuasion to them and they begin to have pride leading them, there are people that will sometimes get caught up in that and they will follow. And we see this happening here. All the people of Israel, mm -hmm. they begin to follow the lead. And you know what I love? This is what I love, Bodhi. Moses falls on his face. That's his reaction to this yes. conspiracy. It says that when he heard it, he fell on his face in number 16, verse four. And then he says, and he spoke to Korah and all his company saying tomorrow morning, the Lord, the Lord will show us who is his and who is holy and will cause him to come near to him. And that one whom he chooses, he will cause to come near him. So Moses puts all of his confidence in the fact that the Lord will make it clear, make it known yeah. who is the one that he's appointed to lead. And of course, the end of the story is powerful because as they bring their censors before the altar and see who's God going to bless, right. we discover yeah. that God actually does something he's never done before. He opens up the earth and the earth swallows up all of those who are full of pride. It really shows you how God resists the proud but he gives mm -hmm. grace to the oh, humble. And yeah. so God does this new thing in destroying those who tried to seek power mm -hmm. for themselves. Yep, yep. And this that is, is really what God did with Satan, right? Exactly, what, yeah. Right, the well, that's, of this I of the earth. We, yeah, you can't mm -hmm. thwart what God has decided here. And so that's what I think is, is man can challenge it, but ultimately what God has decided he's gonna bring forth, because this is ultimately what's gonna be the best for mankind, because this, of course, is the lineage of Christ. But these are, we're that's still right. way, way back. And so at the end of 19, though, we now start to see the story shift. So they've been in Kadesh Barnea, they're ready to leave. And so now we're gonna see the second part of the journey. So, so just to recap, they were at Mount Sinai first, there was a mm -hmm. preparation, then there was a journey, then there was some challenges, at this place called Kadesh Barnea. Now they're preparing to leave and take the land. But a lot of things happen. Numbers 20 is one of those key transition chapters. So now we're starting in the next section, which is the journey part two. Now we're going from Kadesh Barnea to where the book's gonna end at the plains of Moab. In chapter 20, we have a, this really important moment where Moses disqualifies himself by striking the rock twice in anger. 
And we also see Miriam and Aaron pass away and the Edomites, which are the descendants of Esau, which are constantly opposing the people of Israel, refuse them to go the short way through their land. So they got to go all the way back down and around showing mm -hmm. that there is going to be opposition. So opposition is going to be what they experience in the second part, Joey, but they do end up making it all the way up to Moab. So in the second part of the journey, now we're long away from Mount Sinai. We are now yeah. heading toward mm -hmm. what do our listeners really need to make sure that they catch in this part, the part two of the journey between numbers 20 and 25? Well, in this part of the journey, we see a really unique thing starting to take place. It's not just that there's the heart issues of God's people, but now there is the heart issues of the people who aren't God's people. So when yeah. you have when you have those who are also not even subject to the laws of God and they're not a part of the priestly blessings, they don't know the sacrificial system, they don't have the tabernacle central yes. to their lives, there are battles to be fought. And if God's people are not in a right place spiritually, we're not going to be in a victorious position to deal with these things because it's only when we submit to God, resist the devil that he flees. Mm -hmm. And so there is this challenge here. But the good news is there is through the intercession again of God's covenant people and through their obedience, they begin to go forward and they are receiving victories. They do come against Arad, Og, Sihon. Mm -hmm. And then there's this really interesting thing, and I don't want us to miss this, Bodhi, is yeah. that we discovered there was this instance of what was called the bronze serpent. And yeah. we read about this there in, in Numbers 21 because the bronze serpent was this brass pole that a serpent was interwoven on it. And of course, that takes us all the way back to the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? Where the serpent mm -hmm. entered the garden to deceive mankind, bringing us under the curse. And so this bronze serpent is then put before God's people after they're being bit by these little vipers that are coming at them, these snakes that are biting them and poisoning them. And then there's this bronze serpent. And, that, and what's interesting about this is it shows that God is the one who can judge the devil. God can mm. judge sin. Yeah. And when God judges sin and the people just put their faith in God by looking to the bronze serpent, they are saved. Why is this so important? Because Jesus himself in John chapter three quotes from Numbers 21 to yes. illustrate how Jesus would be taken up on another pole, a cross, so to speak, and he would be bringing forth judgment against sin and against Satan and his power over our lives. And so that's really important. And then these next few chapters, chapters 22 and 25, we come into this whole unique scene with what's called Balak and Balaam. We have a donkey speaking, Bodhi. Imagine that. God even speaks through a donkey because Balaam is beginning to take money in order to be told to curse Israel. But what's the problem with cursing Israel, Bodhi? God has already made a covenant with the land of Israel and his people and God does not allow Balaam to curse Israel. Right. Even though he's getting paid to do this, every time he gives the prophecy, he can only bless Israel, not curse it. And the yeah. donkey speaking is even to stop him in his tracks to show him how right. serious it is that he's even taking this money and even beginning to try to curse Israel. God has his ways, doesn't he, Bodhi, to get yeah. our attention, to stop us in our tracks, and to prevent us from going against his sovereign plans and purposes. I love this. What do you Thank think you about for, it? Yeah. Well, 
what I think is important for our, our, our listeners and readers to get, when you come to moments that, that are unique and supernatural, the temptation is either to completely write them off as ridiculous or fantastical, meaning mm -hmm. not real, or right. to extract a meaning that is not part of its context to where it's given. So with this bronze serpent thing, this is not like a universal law. This is a special case moment to show a larger idea of God's saving grace. And that's why Jesus points back to it in the gospels, because he is the ultimate example of God's saving grace, where we look to something God has done to receive forgiveness and mercy for things that we have done. And so the fact that we have this strange event with this talking donkey, with this foreign prophet, mm -hmm. with this bronze serpent, is all to show that God is going to do what he needs to do to make his providence known and to accomplish. And ultimately, why is what's the whole point of the book of Numbers? That God is going to preserve and he's going to lead the people to the land he promised to Abraham. That's the whole thing. And it's easy to get lost in that larger goal amidst some of these unique kind of strange moments in this book. That's why we like to take a high level view and kind of zoom back. But we're coming up now, Joey, to the end of the book, the final section. Anything you'd like to say in this part two of the journey from Kadesh to Moab before we get to them arriving at Moab? Because a lot happens there before the book ends still. Yes, I think I would just like to add this, that in the conversations that Balak and Balaam are having, we must remember yes. that Balaam was not one of the priestly parts of Israel. This is sort of a foreigner prophet that comes in. He's mm -hmm. leading the people to an idolatrous position. We're going to see sexual immorality even becomes a problem where the lusts of the flesh are beginning to drown out these works of God. And there's a there's a judgment there about that, but perhaps I would just like to bring this out. There were different prophecies that were being given by Balaam. And the fourth prophecy that we read about in Numbers 24, Bodhi, mm -hmm. actually, even not only is God not going to allow Balaam to curse Israel because of his covenant blessing and promise, but we actually even see him prophesying rightly about the coming Messiah. In Numbers 24, verses 16 and 17, we read this. The utterance of him who hears the words of God and has the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open, I see him, but not now. Notice as if it's a later time. I behold him, but not near. And then it says this, well, when will the time be? When will God become near? Well, it says in verse 17 there, a star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Isn't that amazing that this star yeah. is being spoken about and a scepter rising? And of course, the scepter will not depart from Judah, we read. And of course, Jesus would be the fulfillment right. of the scepter and of the star that would reveal him. So I think that's just a beautiful thing that there's yeah. a messianic prophecy even coming during this very ugly time of trying yeah. to get Israel cursed during this. So that's my last thoughts before we hit I this final it. section. And God doesn't need Israel to pr to produce prophecies for Israel. He can use whoever and whatever he wants. I think that's kind of the point of the donkey and the Balaam. This guy is a foreigner and this is an animal and still they are part of God's sovereign plan, his providence. So it's so Amen. cool. So just don't lose sight of the yeah. larger movement that's happening with some of these unique details. Anyway, so, Amen. okay, so we're on our last section now. So just to kind of review. So we started at Mount Sinai. We went to Kadesh Barnea. There were some challenges. We've now left Kadesh Barnea, and we are now arriving in what's called the Plains of Moab. And so this is a, a pretty big portion of the whole book, Joey. Numbers 26 through 36. 
they it's not like they arrive in the books over. A lot happens between the arrival at the end of the journey to actually entering the land. And that's what this last section is for. Mm -hmm. It's a preparation for this new generation now who's going to inherit the promises of their parents who forfeited their right to enter into the land because of unbelief. So now that this new generation, God is still faithful to keep his promise to this people, they've got to get ready, don't they? That's what Numbers 26 through 36 is about. Give us some of the key things in this section and how it fits in the whole of the book of Numbers. Yeah, so when we hit Numbers 26, we have this second census of the book. Again, the book of Numbers is about the numbering of the people. This is the next generation, though, as you rightly point out, Bodhi, that's actually going to be able to enter in to the promised land. We're going to see that they're going to need to be circumcised once they get into that land, because this is a whole new generation that has to follow the Abrahamic covenant. And yes. because of that, Bodhi, what we see in these next chapters is just God beginning to reinstitute those teachings about his law of holiness about the offerings that are needed in order to maintain a covering for God's people as they sin. There's a lot of different specific laws that are even given. And why are those laws given? Because they have to understand inheritance laws because they're going to be inheriting land. They have yeah. to understand the succession of what happens when their generations pass on their land to their people and the legal requirements for these things. So you know what I love, Bodhi? God is always preparing his people for the place he's going to put them in. And he also mm. prepares the place for the people. We learned that back in Genesis when God planted a garden eastward in Eden and put man there. Well, he's now going to put them in the promised land. And yeah. so there's these laws that are going to govern them. And so then chapter 31, we see there's a war that breaks out with the Midianites. And so we see that's another big issue because there's always going to be some conflict both within and without. And then we hit the final chapter, which has to do with the tribe's settling into the land, a review then of the journey. And we see that God just actually gives us a narrative of all the different places they hit on the journey to really yeah. record, not just the numbers of the people, but the right. places that they went to. And mm -hmm. so people in places, people in places and mm -hmm. how God fills the empty spaces right. with his divine laws and yeah. faithfulness. One tip that you may want to do is actually read chapter 33 first, because that gives a summary of the complete journey. And it's kind of like what we're trying to do here is give you a little bit of an overview. Numbers itself does that in its final chapter. So there's a lot that happens here. And again, I feel like what I want to continually emphasize is don't forget the goal. Don't forget what Numbers is offering is. It's offering God's covenant faithfulness to the people, despite their idolatry, rebellious, wicked hearts, that he is going to keep his end of the covenant. So let's kind of review the whole thing, because again, the last section of the book of Numbers is really the book of Deuteronomy, isn't it, Joey? Because the book that comes after this one is the mm -hmm. one of the most important books of the entire canon of scripture, but we're not there yet. So we'll talk about Deuteronomy at the end here. Let's review where we've been and then let's answer number seven. What do we personally love about this book? So again, we started at Mount Sinai. We prepared to leave. We had the first part of the journey to Kadesh Barnea, some laws, some challenges. The second part of the journey where we have some of the outside challenges Joey mentioned, and then the preparation to enter the land. And so at this point, we're going to pause the narrative. They are in the plains of Moab. The first generation has died off. The second generation is getting ready to inherit the land. Now, there's going to be a lot that still happens, right, Joe, until they get there, namely mm -hmm. the book of Deuteronomy and then the book of Joshua, which is going to be our coming episodes. 
Before we talk about those, though, what do you love about this book, the book of Numbers, for our final question, number seven? We talked about the structure. What does it teach us about God? What does it teach us about ourselves? We've covered all of these things. What are some things that you love as we wrap up? You know, Bodhi, what I love about this book is that God is someone that we can count on no matter what trial, what trouble, or what conflict we find ourselves in. Because whether people are attacking us or whether we're just hurting ourselves through our own unbelief, we can continue to see that God is faithful. We can count on God's faithfulness. I love that God yeah. is a priestly kind of God who's praying for us, interceding for us. I love that we see the blessing in this book. I also just want to add perhaps in the middle of the book, when Aaron and Moses are being attacked in their authority, how mm. God just continues to have the final word on all matters. And when Aaron's rod buds, we see there's an amazing picture there of when all the rods are placed down, God gets to choose where he puts his blessings. God chooses who his servants are and what they're supposed to do. And we see that it sprouted forth and produced blossoms of almonds. And I, I can't help but just see that even in the choosing of the rod, which represents authority for God's people, there is life. Mm -hmm. The people who God chooses is to always be life producing. The almonds are a picture of, I would say, resurrection power. God shows his faithfulness through that which brings forth blessing for his people and life life more abundantly. We even see yeah. it on the rod of Aaron and we see it through God's people on just how he brings resurrection power and his faithful promises to carry us through all of life's challenges. That's what I love about the book of Numbers. Yeah, there's so many great, wonderful things that it, 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 I love how it reveals God's patience, his kindness, his love. I love how God yeah. doesn't need Israel to bless Israel. He can use whoever he wants. And sure. I just think, though, this verse in number six, <laughs> the ironic blessing, let's talk about yeah. this as we kind of wrap up. This probably is one of my very favorite things, not because it's quoted so often, but I think the reason why it resonates with people so much is because we know how far we, we can fall away from God. And yet this priestly blessing is for us. Would you go ahead, Joey, and just read us number six, the ironic blessing. We'll wrap up the episode for today, talk about where we're going to go next as we look toward Deuteronomy. Yeah. But if, would you read this, please? Yeah, this is a very special portion of scripture for me as well. I, I grew up always hearing this ironic blessing at the end of the service that I used to grow up in when I was there in Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa all those years ago. Mm, and um, yeah. and I used to hear this as the blessing from Pastor Chuck. But I'll, I'll tell you this, this passage is still applicable today for God's people. This is the same God who's in covenant with us. And so when the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And they put his name on the people of God when they would say this blessing. It would be like the putting of God's stamp of blessing over the people of God when they said this. And Bodhi, every time I say this blessing, whether I say it over my church today as a pastor or I read these words, it reminds me of the character of our God. He is yeah. a blessing and keeping God. And it's his face that shines upon us. And it's his grace that carries us and establishes us through every storm of life. And God is so good. And his shalom, his peace is with us all.
That's what I love yeah. about this. Amen. Yeah. And I, I just think that for me, just as you were reading it, Joey, I was imagining the context of when Aaron gave it, right? He, they were still at Mount Sinai after the law had given, before they had left. And he, it's the heart of God for this people. God knows all the things that are about to happen on this journey. And yet he still offers this blessing in the same way that God knows all the mistakes you and I are going to make. And yet still in Christ, there is a blessing of forgiveness and love and reconciliation for those who are in Christ. It just says so much about how God's long suffering and the deep well of his love for his people. So Amen. I love it. Thank you for reading that. I'm going to have you just read a whole audio Bible because you, the way you read scripture is awesome. So, <laughs> but I think we're done, Joe. I think that we have now gotten people to the plains of Moab where Deuteronomy is going to take place. So if you would like to see the timeline that we have been using, you can go to youcanlearnthebible.com. It's a free PDF timeline. It walks you through this whole story. This is what we've been using visually, but I want you to be able to have as many resources as you can to help you see the full beauty of scripture. And so you can learn the Bible.com slash timeline. If you would like to download that, that we have been using, we are now at the plains of Moab, but we're not in the promised land yet. Joey, one very important thing has to happen before we enter. We being them, the children of Israel, it's the book of Deuteronomy. What is one thing that we can look forward to for our next episode on Deuteronomy explained? Well, Deuteronomy re invites us to be reawakened to the reality of the God who is calling us to enter into the promises of God. Deuteronomy will not only give us the law again, but it's going to show it in a beautiful narrative. There's so much rich promises and blessings that are shown to us throughout Deuteronomy as God takes yeah. another generation and prepares their hearts to enter into the promised land. This book is going to really open up our eyes to see so much more of the beauty of God's covenant with his people and the way in which he deals with our lives in a way of life and blessing. That's right. So looking forward to That's it. That's right. Yep, this is Moses' final words. So again, thank you for joining us today. May God bless you as you continue to seek and read his word and ultimately be united to Christ through faith and receive new life that Jesus promises. We wish that for you. Until next time, stay in the word and be blessed. And we will see you for episode 11, Deuteronomy Explained next time. God bless you. Amen.